Sunday social. I'm Vaughan Davis with you right through till 8 o'clock. Just playing Man on the Moon by REM. Fantastic track. Fantastic track. And a brilliant, brilliant movie. I've been, uh, I re-watched the movie. I re-watched the movie. Paul Brislin, uh, who joins us in the second half, will be interested to know that I re-watched the movie semi-legally because I'd just been watching the um, the, the sort of making of documentary called, uh, what's it called? Andy and who, Ace Ventura Pen- Pet Detective. That's Who's right. the guy? Andy and um, Thing, uh, um, Jim Carrey. Andy and Jim. Andy and Jim. And uh, maybe you want to watch the movie again. And so I thought, oh, I'll go get the movie from Netflix. Oh, they don't have it. I'll oh. go get the movie from iTunes. Oh, they, oh, don't, they have don't have it. So I watched it on YouTube. And uh, the reason the whole thing managed to stay up on YouTube for a million views is they very cleverly just uploaded a mirror image of the movie. Oh, is it all flipped? It's all flipped. Ah! It's all flipped. It plays in the correct direction, but all the words are backwards. (laughs) Hey, welcome. Welcome to show number 191 of Sunday Social. I would love you to join me virtually on the show. Text me 3920 keyword live. That'll pop up in front of me. Tweet me at Vaughan Davis and I'll tweet you right back. Later on in the show, we've got some very important news. Sometimes we do have very important news on this show. This is very important news if you have a Vodafone or iHeart or Clear email account. You've got to listen to this. Uh, we've got a fantastic app for blind people. If you know anyone who is blind or you are um, blind yourself or just can't see all that well, stay tuned for that. Uh, and we've got the lowdown on why your phone just went a-ooga, a-ooga, a-ooga. First, though. Back in the day, the internet used to be for computers, then phones. Now it's watches, bathroom scales, burglar alarms, and even light bulbs. It's called the Internet of Things. And we're talking to expert Dr. Lynn Wilcox, who is the chief technical officer at Fuji Xerox's Palo Alto Laboratory in California. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Hey, let's talk about that wonderful place you work in, because anyone vaguely geeky, uh, when they hear the words Palo Alto and Xerox in the same sentence, they go, oh my gosh, that's like the, the, you know, the, the, uh, the, the holy grail of, uh, of tech locations. So tell us about the place you work. Okay. Well, actually, I work at Fuji Xerox Palo Alto Research Center. We call it FX Pal. We're often confused, and I think you are as well, with Xerox Park. So, ah. Park is the research lab for Xerox Corporation. We are the research lab for Fuji Xerox. Park is where they invented the computer. They invented the, the mouse. The computer, the mouse, the GUI. And the GUI? What's the GUI? The graphical user interface. You, ah. know, you know, the icons, the mouse, everything that you use on your computer today. Yeah. All that thing was invented in the 70s there. And they invited Steve Jobs to came, come in, look around, see what was going on there. And, and he, he kind of... And he did have a look around. <laughs> he and did. he did see what was going on there. <laughs> he certainly did. And not only did he do that, he figured out what to do with it, and he developed the personal computer. And if Xerox would have caught on to that, we'd be a very different company today. So let's talk about what you do there and, and what your team does. 
Okay, so at FX Pal, we do research for Fuji Xerox. We're looking for the next new business after the printers, because obviously printers are going away. Well, let, let's talk about that for a minute. You know, okay. Obviously, printers are going away. I've just set up a new office, and one of the first things we did was talk to Fuji Xerox and get a big printer. Printers, well, we've been saying for the last 10, maybe even 20 years that the paperless office is just around the corner. <laughs> and, you know, um, if this was TV, you'd see that I'm reading from a piece of paper, which I've printed out because it makes sense to have my questions on a piece of paper. Uh, and, you know, you go into an office supplies place and it's stacked to the ceiling with reams of A4 and A3 paper. Is paper going away? Oh, you are right. It's not going to completely disappear, but honestly, the use is less and less with people's personal devices. We're reading on our tablets mm -hmm. now. Um, we read books on our tablets. We don't print out as much. So that was an overstatement to say that printers are going to disappear, but certainly it's going to decrease our business, and we like to find new business areas that we can extend. Now, Fuji Xerox and Xerox, we're a communication company, so what can we do to extend communication and more help people with their work environments, the future of work? So one of the things you are involved in, as I sort of uh, alluded to in the, in the start of the show, is the Internet of Things. And it's one of those... I guess it, it is a buzzword. It, 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 it's, it's, you know, if you could track the, the Google searches for Internet of Things, it would be, you know, like a rocket ship over the last five years probably. So in simplest terms, what is the Internet of Things? So it, just in simplest terms, it's connected devices, connected machines, connected objects that you can control remotely without any intervention of people. Mm -hmm. So um, imagine like your thermostat that you can control with your mobile phone, something just as simple as that, a Fitbit. So that's something that is measuring your heart rate, how many steps that you make, and it's saving it for you so that you can look at things later. It's connected and does analysis of it. So it's devices that are somehow connected to some sort of computing device. Does that does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. and okay. and in, in a lot of cases they're not they're not all that high tech because uh, you know you can buy a light bulb now exactly. that talks to your home Wi-Fi and can be controlled by an app, right? So what time of day you want it turned off and on, even whether you want it to be sort of bluish light or you know reddish light depending on your mood, which is which is which is kind of cool. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it's just simple. You're right. We we used to just connect our computers, and now we connect just about anything. And to the point now where I, I don't know if that tipping point has been reached, but uh, before long, more things connected to the internet than than people. You know? I think we've already reached that. Right. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So at, at Fuji Xerox, you know, you're, you're not just looking at, you know, your Fitbit and your bathroom scales and, and your light bulb. What, what does the Internet of Things mean to your work? Okay, well, we actually go a little beyond the Internet of Things with something I call ambient intelligence. Ambient intelligence. Right. That's, a, that's a new one. You heard it here first on Radio Live. Ambient right. intelligence. So it refers to environments that sense and react to the presence of people. So people is the key word there. And it combines IoT, the connected devices, those are the sensors, 
with AI. There's another buzzword, but it's artificial intelligence. Mm -hmm. Just just the smarts. It's just some kind of computing smarts to be able to react to people in the environment and then to be able to understand how they behave in the environment so they can make things better for them in the future. So give me give me an example of that. I can I can see this working in the home, but I'm guessing your focus isn't so much in the home, but as in workplaces and and public spaces. Yeah, right, exactly. So um, we started with locating people, so that's a huge part of the Internet of Things, just where people and objects are. So um, I won't explain the technology by that, but actually we don't locate people with our technology. We locate their cell phones. So ah, we, okay, so yeah. so so it's a it's a fair it's a fair bet if there are I don't know twenty cell phones in my university lecture theatre there are twenty people. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah, and so um, we know where people are. So at first we started wondering where our colleagues were. So we put sensors in the environment to find out. So you where tried you tried this in your own office. Yeah, that yeah. was the first thing we tried, and everybody said, "Oh, that's a little bit creepy." So um, then some people in Australia saw that and they saw, oh, we can use this for building management. What if we knew um, how our office buildings were being used? In Australia, um, they have really expensive office space, and, but the people in the bank that we were working with don't work in the office all the time. They're out on sales calls. Mm-hmm. So you have this hugely expensive half-empty building. So if I knew how many people were in that building, what times they were in the building, what space they needed. Did they need meeting space, small meeting space? Did they need desks? I could probably figure out how to redesign those buildings and possibly even reduce the number of buildings that I had. So we did that analytics for them. Now, to keep this from being creepy, um, I said we're tracking people's cell phones, not the people. So to make it not creepy, we provide value for the people as well. Mm-hmm. So t- I run this app on my tel- my phone, and I can book meeting rooms. I can find free desks in the room. So it gives me some information. I suppose also if, if I owned a great big office building and I'm heating, lighting, and air conditioning that entire building all the time, I could learn things that would allow me to be cleverer with the way I use that energy, right? That's absolutely right. That's usually called smart buildings. Mm-hmm. Yes, and you're absolutely right. Just by tracking the building use. So smart buildings... Uh, are they are they happening now? Are they uh, you know in in businesses all around the world, or are they still a little bit in the future? I think people are starting to do it for power, um, energy, and lighting, but not so much for the space analytics applications that we're looking at. Um, let me give you another example mm. that we're working on in the hospital. As I said, we're rather people focused yep. and not so yep. much building focused. But in the hospital, or um, I think a large medical facility, you probably have those there. They're, they're huge facilities with many doctors. Mm-hmm. And the problem that they had in there. <laughs> that reminds me. That's a movie joke. He's going to the hospital. The hospital, what is it? It's. Uh, big building with lots of doctors. Yeah. <laughs> I think that might have been in fly in uh, airplane, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, so it's yes, not we, we, exactly we have, where, we have where hospitals. sick people go, but it's like for outpatients, so mm-hmm. you're going to see a doctor to get some tests or something like that. And they kept losing the patients. They didn't know where the patients were. So when they check in, they, they're supposed to sit there and wait for the doctor. They wouldn't be in there. They'd go to an exam room, 
and the hospital or doctors would forget where they were and so we needed a way of tracking the people so um, particularly thinking about something like radiology so they're going through a series of tests mm -hmm. and they say okay this test was positive now you have to wait here and we'll, we'll come get you for the next test okay so the patient is really nervous so if we let them carry this device we can push information to them like so let oh, them carry let them carry yeah. what device what device uh, we give them when they enter the hospital we give them an ipod oh so that tracks their location so the hospital and the back end knows where they are because um they're being tracked by this device but also we're providing value to the patient so it's not creepy so they just see on the screen they hey you've got screen. to be in room 12 in two minutes yeah, and here's the directions to room 12 here are the results of your last test but don't worry because this is you know here are some things and so it keeps them busy and here's, here, here's, here's some games to play while you're waiting you know we don't do that but that's Aww. a good idea well, some, if we some don't music. Just borrowing some, 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 some music to listen to. Hey, we're talking about the Internet of Things and all sorts of other interesting tech from Lynn Wilcox from Fuji Xerox. Back soon. And welcome back to Sunday Social. Talking to Fuji Xerox uh, Chief Technical Officer Lynn Wilcox. Welcome back. Thank you. Now, before the break, we were talking about uh, using ambient intelligence to manage the flow of people around medical facilities which was which was which was kind of interesting it was oh, that, that was unkind it was very interesting <laughs> but uh, you're also doing some work in the management of people and things through industrial processes right yeah. so tell me about that I mean there's probably a couple of factories still left in New Zealand uh, so before they they go out of business let's talk about how the internet of things can help okay um, so obviously we're Fuji Xerox and we visited a printer factory and I don't know if Oh, a factory, a factory that makes printers. A, ma a factory that makes parts for printers. Right, yep. in Somewhere in the middle of Japan. Actually, it was in Suzuka. And um, the problem that they have there is a lot of it's mechanized. You know, factories have assembly lines. Mm -hmm. But there's things that people have to do. And they run on TPS, Total Pro Toyota Production System. And what, what, what is that, it? Is, that, is what, that just a software platform or no, a, a way of a doing things? it's a methodology of doing things. So it's called just-in-time parts delivery. Yes. So this person goes to the storeroom, gets some parts, brings it to the line, to the person on the line that is doing the assembly, and goes to various locations along the line. A path, it's a fixed path that's tracked, and then they go back to the storeroom and they do it again. They call that, uh, they have a word for it, mizusumashi, which is a whirligig beetle. I don't know if you guys have the beetles that spin around on top of the water. They kind of go in No, we don't, but, it, but it's, it, it, it's, it's, it paints a very vivid picture <laughs> okay. of a lot of energy with not much output, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, it's somebody doing the same thing all the time, going through, you know, it's a very routine task. Mm. Um, but it, it's quite efficient, and they're looking for ways to make it more efficient because the factory, the line is just moving along. It does what it does. Mm -hmm. People go along the line. So so people are the rough spot in that. So if this person who's delivering the parts doesn't get there in time, something goes wrong and they have to stop the whole line. So that's a whole mm -hmm. sequence of things that has to stop. So that's a big deal. So they were wondering if we could use our location technology to know exactly where this person was delivering the parts, how long they were in the storeroom, 
finding the parts, how long that they were at each station delivering the parts. Mm -hmm. So we set up the technology there and so that we could track them going around this fixed line. So in this case, there's not a whole lot of value to the worker. I'm, I'm kind of big on having this be reciprocal. Yeah. But in this case... Yeah, because it feels like, you know, you, you're yeah. being watched and, yeah. and you can't slack off and you can't have a bad day because you're being measured. Right, exactly. But that, um, the reality of that job is you can't. So if we can find ways where to make it easier for them, if there was a way that we could track this line, find out, alert when there's failures, mm -hmm. so the boss knows when there's a problem, so before it causes a huge issue, maybe he could quickly go in there and solve and it. And give Jones some more coffee, because yeah. Jones is walking too slowly, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Or just, maybe Jones is, is having an affair with, you know, Susan <laughs> on, on the assembly line and, and lingers a little bit longer than he should. <laughs> right. So they could know about that and get in there before they cause a lot of trouble with the machines. Um, and then we also analyze that data on the back end and see, okay, well, this person is having a really hard time picking up this certain part or delivering this certain part. How can we do that better? So that allows you to optimize it. And the poor person who's running around like a little bug mm, along this mm. assembly line, it is helping that person do their job more I, efficiently. I, I, and I, okay. So it's not direct benefit, but it is indirect. Do, how do they feel about it? How do people feel about the, that degree of scrutiny? Because we're happy to give that degree of scrutiny to Facebook or Fitbit or, or you know, where we see there's an exchange, right? Imagine um, like a tennis player and you put sensors on the tennis player to help them play better. How do they feel about it? They feel great. I mean, it's, it's getting their game better. And so this is the same thing. They want to do a good job in the factory. Of course they do. And they, they don't want to screw up. And so it's just a tool to help them perform better. So let's let's go down the assembly line a little bit further and say we've made a printer or we've made a, a copier. How how is that big enormous expensive noisy sort of smelly machine in the corner of my office? How is that getting smarter? How is how is the the fundamentals of that changing? Okay, um, well the printer's a printer itself, but you know um, we have a product now, Smart Work Gateway. And that's a connected printer. And what that allows us to do is know what's being copied on the machine. So um, we have some technology. Really? Yes. So, so yes. when you say us, this allows Fuji Xerox to know what's being copied on the Fuji Xerox machine. If, if you allow... If we buy into if this. If you buy into this. Yeah. yeah no, I mean, nobody's going to spy on it. No, yeah, no, yeah. no, no, no. But um, what we can do is we can put an edge device on the computer. If you want to monitor what's being printed, mm -hmm. put an edge device on the computer and watch what's being copied. So what we were doing is looking for copyright when teachers were copying material and trying to determine what was copyright or not. Because I remember even back when I went to university, there were, there were signs at the, at the printer about what, you know, what could and could not be copied under, under license, right? Right. And, well, here but we all just the, ignored them. <laughs> right. But these are the schools. And so schools are making a copy of a lot of copyright material. At first they asked the teachers to say manually, which copyright material are you doing? I mean, it doesn't bother them. They're not paying. Mm. But it's just work. It's just extra work. And so this allows it to monitor. And so it's really kind of cool. You have this box sitting at the printer looking at the image that's being copied. We create a signature of that document. 
and then send that up to the cloud and it's matched against millions of copyright material in the mm -hmm. crowd. If it's found, it's automatically built. So it's all automatic. The teacher doesn't have to do any extra trouble and the people who own the copyrights are paid fairly. So it's kind of a win-win situation. Now you could use that for other things. You could um, have the copy machine refuse to copy proprietary material. Mm -hmm. um, I was even told recently by a Fujizawak salesman that people in certain countries are copying money, and our copiers are so good that they can Did get... Did you say money? Money, currency, paper, currency. And it's so good that they could make these copies and are putting it around. These, obviously, this is not in New Zealand, but in some other countries mm -hmm. where we sell copiers. And they said, can we detect when people are doing that? And I said, yeah, sure. So that's... That's probably, yeah, that's probably yeah. That's probably a use that not many people would argue with, or uh, or copying of uh, passports, or copying of driver's licenses, and exactly. things like that. So exactly. most of us would would want a printer to be able to detect that and go, mm, nah. I suppose. So this is this is pretty exciting stuff, and um, you know you're clearly excited to be in this job. Tell tell me about your your personal engagement with tech. I mean, when you go home from you know from Palo Alto, is it you know to a, a Tony Stark like um, mountaintop retreat full of you know internet and full of technology and full of gadgets, or or do you just switch off? How how do you balance that <laughs> out? You know, do you go to a log cabin and 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 you know turn off your cell phone? Well, personally. I do like to live a little bit remotely. I love hiking. I love to be out in the woods. I'm not a city person. So I'm out there. Um, on the other hand, I couldn't live without um, my tablet computer and my cell phone and my TV. <laughs> so, so connectivity is important to you in your personal life as well. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Constant. And your cell phone is uh, a top gadget. Your tablet computer and your TV uh, are top gadgets. What, what, are, what are your other favorite tech toys around, around your house or in your life? Because um, you, you must get access to all sorts of interesting stuff, right? You know, not really. I'm really? Saying, I'm... Um, well, hey, well, yeah, an A3, an A3 printer in your house is not really... I have no printer in my house. You have no printer in your house? No. No printer at all? No, I don't want one. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, I, I use my tablet computer when I want to read something, read the news. So you, you actually are kind of paperless? I'm kind I'm as paperless as I can as, be. As you, as you, as you possibly can, can be. Paper is messy and it's all over the place and I don't want to deal with it. So when I don't, I can't, I mean, paying bills, all that kind of stuff is all electronic now. You don't have to worry about it. So looking, looking ahead of the stuff that you're working on now, maybe focusing on on the home environment rather than the business environment. What, what's the tech that, that's coming down the pipe that you know, you, you've, you've read about, you've heard about, you've seen that excites you the most? Um, so I'm, I, I may get a Google Home. That's I've, got, I've got a Google Home. Oh, how are you liking it? I'm loving it. So Google yeah. Home, we've, we've talked about this on, on shows a little while ago. It's a, they call it a smart speaker. Uh, so it's a, it's the size of a bit like a fat beer can sits on your kitchen counter and 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 listens to you. So it really should be called a smart microphone. So smart speaker was good branding, and you talk to it, you say okay Google, and you ask it all sorts of things, and all the resources of Google will will conspire to give you an answer. So that excites you. 
Yes, yes. I lo- I've always loved talking toys. I used to work on speech recognition. So oh, there you go. I, I would get talking dolls for my kids before they worked very well. And you'd talk to it and they'd it re- reply randomly. But now I see this technology is getting pretty good. And Google Home looks like it might actually be useful or, if not, fun to play with. Well, it's it's if nothing else, it's become my go-to music player. And I, exactly. I see they've brought out a, um, a large one, or maybe it hasn't shipped yet, which has a much bigger speaker. That's the only difference. So nice. then you don't need nice. to do anything else. Uh, well, that, that's, that's quite reassuring. The thing that excites you most about the future of technology is a thing that's already in my kitchen. Hey, Lynn Wilcox from <laughs> Fuji Xerox, thank you so much for joining us on Sunday Social. Thank you. Nice to be here. Hey, after the break, Mr. Paul Brislin. Well, he's been sitting here for half an hour. I don't think he's got a home to go to. With the apps of the week, including a really, really cool one, which we might demonstrate live on air, which is uh, which is perfect if uh, if eyesight is a challenge for you. Back soon. Hey, welcome back to Sunday Social. And many of you, many of you will have had a uh, a, a rude, a rude interruption to your Sunday evening with a bit of a from your mobile phone. Paul Brislin, welcome to the show. Kia ora. Did you have a... Uh, the the, the uh, a the Auga, uh, the Civil Defence Emergency Management I didn't get the uh, sound. mobile phone alert. No, well, I, I got the alert, but um, I foolishly had the sound turned down, so all I got was bzz, bzz, as the phone trundled across the... Um, well, the that's desk. not meant to matter. So, um, for those of you going, what is he talking about? <laughs> At around 6.30, um, New Zealand Civil Defence tested to 2 million people. I don't know how they chose the lucky 2 million. <laughs> um the emergency alert system and the way this works is you don't have to opt in you don't have to subscribe or be on a list it sends a message to your mobile phone appears on the home screen of your phone and uh, you know tells you what mm. the uh, tells you what the emergency is hey it's a flood hey it's a you know zombie shark, apocalypse sharknado yeah uh, but the idea is Paul it's meant to go auga um, whether or not your phone is on silent yes well it didn't it's it meant just, to override it, that it just kind of buzzed and slithered across the table as as they want to do when they're on silent and um that was about it uh either way though um it was busy enough that it alerted me that it, something you were was going alerted on. i you was were, alerted. You were alerted i was alert which which is which is good which, which is, is what you're good after. um and just watching the uh watching the twitter feed and uh and, and facebook threads most most people received it and they're very grateful to receive it a few churlish individuals uh were a bit up, <laughs> bit upset that their you know sunday was how dare you text me on to, a sunday to save my life yes but Here's the thing. Um, like many people, I think, I saw the alert. I kind of knew what it was. I was tapped it to dismiss it. And then I thought, I'll check it when I get to Radio Live. Mm. And could I find the message? No. No, you no. could not because you're on an Android. Yeah, well, I'm not We've alone in that. This. I'm not alone in that. So getting the message is one thing. But if you don't read it straight away, it can take a bit of sleuthing to actually find the damn thing. So that, that might be worth doing tonight. Figuring out where it would hide Figuring it out on where your it particular hide. version of um, of Oreo, which is the new version of the Android operating yeah, system. Yeah, so you're on an iPhone. And, I'm on an iPhone. And it lives where? Just down so, your So uh, you down swipe on your iPhone and boom, there it is, hiding amongst your notifications. Easy peasy. Done. Um, I've, I've heard from other people who use, because this uses kind of the text messaging system, kind of not, um, if you use Facebook Messenger for your text messages, which some people do, uh, it'll be sitting in there. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and if you're Android boy like me, go to Messages, tap More, and then tap uh, Mobile Broadcasts, not Emergency Save Your Life button, 
mobile broadcasts and there it will be. Uh, and that's all we're going to say on the matter. Apart from the um, the, the one slightly funny thing is, is some users received an alert and it was headed up presidential alert. So maybe Mr well, Trump's heading Mr. this Trump, way. Donald. Not so much a tsunami as a... Aruga. 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 So that, you might you might never see that um, if, if you're very lucky Fingers and you don't, crossed. don't live in an earthquakey tsunami place. But one thing that many, many New Zealanders will need to do today or tomorrow or sometime before Thursday, if they haven't, <clears throat> is do something about their Vodafone email. Oh, now, yes. You used to work at Vodafone. Pencil. I know. You know I'll all about this. Put my, I'll put my Vodafone hat on for a moment. Oh, no, it's too tight. It doesn't fit. Uh, yes, so um, if you've got a an email address provided by Vodafone uh, or by one of the companies that it bought along the way, so Telstra Clear, iHug, Paradise, Net, uh, and there are a couple others as well, um, they're all getting switched off and thrown in the bin. So you're going to have to find yeah, a new email address. And you're yeah. Going to, have to tell everyone. So, so we might, we might talk about that just for a moment. Mm. Um, why would they just switch it off and throw it in the bin? Because you would have thought that you know, um, email is is kind of the one of the things you sign up for when you get internet well, stuff. Well, uh, yes and no. So in the old days, you certainly did. So if you wanted an email address, you had to have an internet account in order to get it. Yeah. So um, uh, telecom, of course, had um, extra for mm-hmm. those years, still and, do. and lots of people <laughs> still have one. Uh, and it's very sticky. It means you can't migrate to from telecom, for instance, to Vodafone or from Vodafone to telecom because you've got this email address. Uh, you won't want to ditch it and get a new one because it's such a hassle. Uh, and I've been saying for years to anybody who, who whines on about this uh, and all the people who've contacted me about this Vodafone thing, um, just get rid of it. Go and get your own domain name and set up your own email address. And then or, you can or, or move get, wherever or you get like. Gmail, get Outlook. Exactly. You know, or you just you, you go off. And, and that's been the biggest problem for the ISPs, the telcos, is that Google came along and said, we'll do that for free. And suddenly they went, oh, we can't really charge $15 a month anymore, uh, we'll have to give it away too. And, and, and they, and they closed it down basically because they it cost them too much and they were doing a terrible job of and it. And they were doing a very poor job as of they, it. So as they said. As, as they, they said, as yeah, they said yeah, absolutely. And they'd be the first to put their hand up because it actually requires an awful lot of investment and um, spend to make it work well. So what I did years ago was buy a domain name, um, cost you about $30. Um, you contact Google and say, I want you to host my domain name. That costs you about $20. And there you are. You're a job done. You can move You're from Brisbane, ISP Brisbane. to ISP. in perpetuity. Exactly. So for those of us who don't want our own domain name, perhaps mm. all the people out there called Smith because mm, bad news. Well. Um, Here's what you need to do if you're on any of these Vodafone email addresses and do it really quick because this closes down on Thursday. Number one, make sure you've got another email address. The easiest ones are Gmail or Outlook. Just Google that. They'll prob- Google will probably make Gmail easier to find it, than Outlook, yes, I'm guessing. anything else. <laughs> we could bing Outlook. Yeah. Um, yeah. And step two, go to your Vodafone or iHug or Clear email account, webmail, whatever, and look for a message from Vodafone saying, warning, warning, we're shutting down your jolly email. In that will be a link. Click on that. And it'll take you to a form where you are asked to enter your new email address so that all your Vodafone emails that still get sent to you get redirected to this Which new Which is place. very nice. You know, that keeps you <clears throat> constant until you can get through them all. There's always going to be an email address uh, that you've entered somewhere, some service you've signed up for, something that well, that's right. once or, a year. Or someone might invite you to a party. Yep, and, exactly. and well, that never happens to me. So. No, it never happens you know, to me. No. But just in case they invite me to a party using my old iHug email address, You'll be I away. have now got it forwarded to my tgf.co.nz. Well, 
Maybe if someone uh, emails me and says, are you my secret Santa? Because that's, n- that's the next thing I want to talk about. Well, and what a good idea that would be. But, of course, they shouldn't email you to find out if you're their secret, secret Santa. Because that's kind of the point. Yes. So, New Zealand Twitter secret Santa. A, um, an institution. And it's mm. been going five years, I think. Um, have you had a go at it? Yes, I have. How was it? Have you not had a go? No, 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 no. I'm rubbish at buying presents for you're, people you, you that should, I know, let alone... You should set up New Zealand Twitter secret Grinch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I really like it as an idea, and I love watching people um, posting things, trying well, well, to... Like, you also like charity. That's a great idea. I like yeah, that. Um, yeah, I'm a big you know, fan of... Love, of, you forgiveness, know, yeah, all those things. That's right. So, New Just Zealand... don't bother me with it. New Zealand Twitter Secret Santa, set up five years ago by a, a Hamilton guy called Web Sam. don't know his real name, but his Twitter mm. name is Web Sam. Grows giant pumpkins. Uh, the Go idea is you sign up, and you are randomly allocated the name of another participating Twitter user. You... Have a look at their Twitter account. You stalk them. You Twitter stalk them. Paul Brislin, he's into Doctor Who. I'm going to secretly buy him a Doctor Who thing and send it to him, which is really cool. Which is. A couple of years ago, NZ Post picked up the logistics because it was all a bit hard for one person to to do. Bless them. And this year, partly because uh, Jacinda Ardern or um, Jacinda Ardern MP, I think is her, uh, or no, just Jacinda, I can't remember what her Twitter handle is. Uh, She said she was going to take part. And uh, as a result... And boom. <coughs> boom. Three, boom. Three and a half thousand people participating. <laughs> <laughs> this will be my fourth time, I think. Well, it's fantastic. So um, did you get good gifts? I mean, let's cut to the chase here. Did it work for you last time? I, I Last time, I can't remember. The time before that, I got a little Airfix model airplane. Oh, that's beautifully wrapped with all sorts of uh, personalised touches oh, on it, which is really, really nice. Really nice. Time before that, I got a little um, child's uh, stationery set with a rubber and a pencil and a ruler. I thought that was a bit lame. So mm. if you're listening, Secret Santa person from two years ago, yeah, could do better. After the break, we've got that app we were talking about that is just the business if you can't see too well. Back soon. And welcome back to Sunday Social. There are a bazillion apps out there. Most of them are rubbish, but Paul and I have found one that is not. That is highly entertaining. This, and she's still going. I'll talk, and you can you can deal to her. You um, AI Polly, which is fantastic. AI Polly is an app which uses your camera, and as you can hear, you pointed at something. What did it call you? I don't know. A murder. I don't. Oh, person. Oh, you're a person. You point the camera at something. And it uh, it tells you um, what it is, Telephone. which is fantastic. Television. You've got a girl. I don't have a girl. No, you don't have a girl. Champagne flute. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's let's just let's just turn this off. This is madness and talk about it. So yeah, yes. AI Polly, as in Absolutely Polly. Fantastic. Polly wants a cracker. Yeah. Um, it's a free app. It's available for Android and iPhone. And yep. all you need to do is download it, install it, and point it at stuff, and it just tells you what the stuff is. Which is fabulous. It's fabulous for anybody who's visually uh, impaired in any way, shape, or form. If you have trouble at night, for instance, and, you know, night blindness kicks in, you can't see stuff, um, fire up the app and start pointing it at things, and, and away you go. But actually, even just it's, for fun, if you're, well, if you're a three- or four- or five-year-old kid with, yeah, a, with, yeah. a, with your, with your mum or dad's phone... Pointing at things that tell you what things were. That's right. You'd be away. And if you didn't know what it was, off you go. And, of course, this is the future of um, a lot of this kind of stuff, is that you won't be typing in, what is that thing on my desk? It's round and holds water. You'll actually just 
point a camera at it and it'll it'll and, start and, and, telling and you there what's it will going be. On. So this is the free version we're playing with because yes. I'm not blind and I'm not going to pay five dollars a month for something I don't need. Um, but coming down the track, uh, well, you pay pay the pay the five dollars, you get uh, food stuffs. So it will yep. tell you what sort of food is that in front is of you. That is a Twinkie. That is that is a Big Mac. That is a ch- um, Big Mac. Will chicken. it give me a discount? Yeah. Um, plants and flowers, which is which, Always good. which is quite nice. Currency. Now this is good if you're American because ah, all, all the American all the currency all, all, look, it's all the same, but it's same. all the same shape um, and size. Same, I mean, and size. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's ex- all exactly the same. Uh, mushrooms. Can we do mushrooms versus um, things you should not eat? Unless I you would. Want to I would not rely <laughs> on this app uh, to decide whether or not something was poison. No. Uh, but also animal species. That'd be quite cool if if the um, civil defence oh. emergency. Management Act came on, came on and said that you know the the zoo Mountain the lions. zoo walls are breached. Yeah, uh, you'd know whether it was a lion coming to eat you or a I, tiger. I was at the zoo today and we had a big debate as to whether it was an agouti or a capybara that we were looking at. It was a capybara. It was not. It was an agouti. Oh, whatever. Yeah, because we couldn't see the capybaras. Point point, yeah. point the point the app at it and and then and off I'll you go. It. So really interesting. Um, we've we've spoken on this show before about a human-powered equivalent mm. to Aopoly called Be My Eyes. Do you remember that? Oh, on? that's right, yes. So in that app, also for blind people, you connect a blind person to a sighted person, you sort of do a little automated video conference, yeah, and the yeah. human tells you what <coughs> you are seeing, but this kind of automates that. I think the future of it, though, really, it's just going to end up a feature of, you know, Google Camera. Oh, it is. Essentially. It is. And it, it really has to. So, uh, much like QR codes, you used to have to download an app to look at them. Now you just point your phone at it and it says, oh, I'm, that's a QR code. I can I can access that. You don't need something specific. Google will build it all into uh, to the devices and so will Apple. Um, and, and the one I really like, the one I use quite a lot uh, uh, when I'm traveling, is Google Translate. When I'm traveling. When when I'm did, traveling. Where did you, tra- where, where did oh, you travel to? Hamilton the North Shore? The other day and, and occasionally. So, they speak a different language. <laughs> Down there, and, and what you do is uh, you fire up Google Translate. You just look at your screen and point it at the text, uh, whether it's a street sign or a road map or um, the screen in front of you, and it translates visually inside the picture. Which is kind of cool, isn't which it? Which is so cool. So it's suddenly so you can fiction. read that road sign yep. in Hong Kong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean that is that is Star Trek level cool. That, that is, is star, star Trek level cool. It is. Hey, um, so. Flipping the uh, flipping the narrative entirely. Ooh. I'm not sure about this next app. This and it turns out to be a whole family of apps. There's 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 more apps like this than you can <laughs> shake a 12 inch long stick with graduated markings at. Ruler apps. It's brilliant. Do you think it's brilliant? Come so, on, so, it's brilliant. So I I saw this. I saw ruler apps for smartphones for yeah. for iPhone or Android. I thought. Oh, that sounds interesting. I wonder how that works. It'll and be my mind, funky. my mind started racing. <laughs> I thought, oh, so I can go start at this point in the room, walk over in a wobbly sort of line to the far corner, and push stop, and it'll work out through motion sensing, perhaps the exact straight line distance. Sure, that's that an would app be I'd, very cool. I would really like that. So I downloaded a ruler <laughs> app, and it was basically a picture of a ruler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's for measuring. The things. app was a picture. <laughs> Of a ruler, <laughs> and it was the right length and everything, but it just it tur- it tur- magically, magically oh. turned your phone into a ruler by displaying an accurately sized picture of a ruler. Of a ruler. Well, you'd, you'd hope used, it is you'd... an accurately sized one. That's right. Have you How measured I... it? 
No, I don't have a ruler. That's well, why, that's why <laughs> I got, the, got app. the app. Um, oh, bless. So you use the phone to measure things. They might as well just mail you a sticker that you put on, on the, the back ruler of the phone. that you stick on the back. And I'd, I'd probably quite like that, to be honest. I sh- there's our business ruler, ruler apps. Ruler apps. Ruler apps. Forget it. There are sticker. Just you a sticker. Yeah, and, yeah. And they, and they run even with the power off. That's that's right. In, in but you can't see energy saving mode. Um, I really like uh, some of these things, and and my favourite one has to be the um, the level that comes on the compass app that is built into the iPhone. I do like levels. I it do like levels on phones. A thing of beauty. Yeah, I I very much like that. And the only thing that annoys me is that. Um, if you're not using an iPhone 5, you can't actually stand the phone on its edge anymore. Uh, and they've got buttons on all sides, so there's no way you can actually get a decent level Well, do you know, my, my favourite app of all time from the days where phones would mm. stand on edge... Yes. Right, um, Julian Waters, who comes on the show now and then, right. had this. It is a uh, panoramic photo app. Oh. You need to be able to stand your phone on edge, though. Right. you stand your phone on edge on a smooth table... Yep. And it takes a photo, brrr, vibrates its way just around <laughs> through about 10 degrees. Brrr, and off you go. And, That's and brilliant. And off you go. Absolutely brilliant. And it stitches it all together into yep. one pan- panorama. Of course, your modern phones, your modern wow. phones, like the Huawei Mate 10, uh, are all curvy. They are all curvy. They're like a slippery piece of soap. They are like a slippery yep. piece of soap. I, I like I like, I like like that uh, that brrr, app. I like the ruler app. Maybe, maybe not. Um, what I don't like, though, mm. what I don't you like... Don't like Public service announcement. No, sir, I don't like it. Fake apps. Oh, fake apps. Oh, and now, see, I'm on the uh, the wonderful closed world of Apple, uh, and you don't get fake apps because well, you might um, get Steve fake Jobs himself so many of them. comes back and, and reviews each and every app before it uh, is allowed on the store. Yeah. You're quite right. You can get the odd one or two slip through. But you're well, on the droid world, and you can you can have all manner it of is, It is the wild, wiki, wiki, it, wild, wild west. It is. So... This, this story popped up. Um, WhatsApp, which is a, a messaging app, a very popular, owned by very Facebook popular. now, um, was kind of um, spoofed, I think is the mm. word, um, by an app called Update WhatsApp. had a little green uh, icon with a little switch like which is like the real one. thing. But it had nothing to do at all with WhatsApp. <laughs> it was a chat platform. You could use it to chat with your friends. Right. Which, you know, by the look of it, is not a hard thing to build. That's right. Um, but it wasn't the real thing. The point of it was to show you ads. So ah, so it was a, they got yes. a million people to download this thing, update WhatsApp. They showed a million people lots of ads. They would have made lots of money, yeah. but uh, the thing and was fake. It was all fake. And you'd have to be quite pleased that it was only showing you ads and it not could, it, it could doing have, any it, yeah, manner of right. nefarious porpoise. It could, have been a, it could have been a little bit nastier, but it wasn't. Um, yeah. So the, the moral of the story really is... If you vaguely hear about an app on, I don't know, Radio Live Sunday Social and go, oh, I'm going to go search for that, Mate. make sure you've actually found the real thing. Make sure it's called what it, you know, what I said it was called and uh, Not, check the reviews. Yeah, and, and, and the spelling. Check the, and spelling. the, and the spelling. I mean, I, I had a bit of a look and I found another one called WhatsApp, <laughs> which is a little bit like WhatsApp and a Budweiser commercial all rolled into one. That's right. It, it reminds me, I, I once... Um, was in China and I saw a cafe that for all the world looked like Starbucks, but it was called Stabrux. Stabrux. Yep. It yeah, had, yeah, it yeah. Had the, yep. It had the, um, the, the, the familiar logo. Yeah. The familiar logo. It, it served terrible coffee, so it was authentic so it was in authentic. that respect. Yeah, Very it, was, authentic. it was right down to it. Um, you know, full of um, Backpackers. Back, backpacking Americans yes. uh, with their journals, uh, but it was called Stabrux. <laughs> 
and they probably never noticed. So I, I guess I guess um, what uh, what's up in update WhatsApp is sort of the the stabrucks, the stabruxes of uh, of the app world. Well, that's you know yes, you do have to be very cautious because it is a bit of the wild west. And given how reliant we are on these devices these days, um, you want to make sure that you don't end up with some nasty that's either draining your battery or your bank account, or uh, or worse, you know, um, sending all your personal information out there into the world to uh, to nif- to all manner of people. Well, my hot tip is only ever download apps that you hear about on Sunday social. Absolutely. Hey, thank you so much, Paul Brislin, for coming in as always. Uh, in the first fun. half, Dr. Lynn Wilcox from Fuji Xerox in the booth. As always on the dial, Sarah O'Dwyer. Stay tuned for Graham Hill and the Weekend Variety Wireless. I'm Vaughan Davis. Nighty night.